Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. I'm Maxine Island, the Director of Digital Marketing and Web for SailPoint Technologies, a company focused on identity governance, which is a facet of cybersecurity. Look it up. It's really interesting and everyone needs to be doing it. We're based out of Austin, Texas. I mean, I always love like TV and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, when I grew up, there wasn't really like technology. iPhones and things like that maybe started after college for me. So I think it was always a cool factor of, wow, I can do this stuff. And now it, it's it's so ingrained in our everyday life. We don't even think twice about it, right. which can be problematic. But I think it's one of those things that it's it's just like, I mean, I have a water bottle that tells me when to drink water. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, everything is technology now. Yeah. Would you say you spend, you? I mean, you do spend a lot of time in the marketing world and being online. We were having a conversation in an earlier interview about how that is now expected uh that we're rated on our social clout online and i hate that Mm -hmm. how do you separate professional from personal i think that there's there's definitely a fine line between it um i i don't go you know accepting every invite that comes along my way and and, i remember when i started at sale point my boss was like what do you mean you don't accept everybody that asks to be your friend on linkedin i'm like well it's just weird like i don't know these people and then if somebody asks you like a recommendation you don't know anything about these people so um, you know, I, I think it's a funny thing and it's, we're in a funny place right now where we're trying to figure out how far does technology really run our lives? Yeah. And how much do we want to say, I need to stop. Like, this is my life. This is, if I'm going to go do something tomorrow with my friends. I only want a small circle of people to know, but there's definitely the positives, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's how we connected, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I just, I wish we weren't judged on it mm-hmm. i wish it didn't matter how many followers a oh, person yeah. had do you remember that website um hot or yeah that's basically what it sounds wait, like wait wasn't right? hot or not the <laughs> first iteration of facebook <laughs> it was something like that yeah um yeah 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 it was a terrible idea back then in, yeah and basing somebody on idea how today. active yeah. and how many likes they have is totally just, because you shouldn't like every single thing that comes along you should be able to 
enjoy the moments that you're in and yeah. things like that. And I think that's that balance that we have to be not so dependent on. A hundred percent. And so what does your day to day look like? Gosh, one of the reasons I love technology is because it's not the same. So yeah. I have today was just back to back meetings, I think, just because it's a Friday morning and people were trying to get things done yeah. for the weekend. But, um, you know, I have meetings with vendors. This morning I had a meeting with um, our international team that was picking my brain on kind of our digital strategies and things like that that we had for international and where my mind was about that. And I mean, there's creating new web pages. There's checking our paid, you know, channels to make sure they're performing. Um, You know, just, I mean, it's always something different and that's what makes it so awesome. Yeah. And did you ever think about dabbling into the programming side of things? I mean, I was a, I was a back, uh, I was a front-end website developer. Um, that's kind of how I started. So I did HTML, PHP, JavaScript, um, tons of WordPress websites. Um, that was kind of my bread and butter. And um, I slowly kind of went into a management role through that. And that's kind of how I, I started to, um, to you know, develop my career. And, um, you know, I, I miss it a lot, I think. But the management side of, of that kind of tech, of the technology side is also super interesting to me. And I think, you know, now that I have amazing team of people that were very much smarter than me that, you know, I could ask them to do something and they can do it in a snap of a finger. If I tried now, I'm like archaic. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, it's Monica Houston, and I'm the director of Hackster Live at Hackster.io, the GitHub for hardware. I'm based in Seattle, Washington. We also run events. We also run contests. And uh, we also sometimes we'll do bounties, so we'll commission projects to be made that are really awesome projects. Like, does Hackster have um, partnerships with makerspaces? Uh, we do. So, sort of. Uh, we do. So, one of the things that I worked on was Hackster Live, which yeah. is our live events. Yeah. So, a lot of times we do events in makerspaces around the country. And actually, the first thing we did was a tour of the U.S. Nice. Yeah. So we did. I got to visit all these different makerspaces around the U.S., which was something I That's so to cool. Do. How many did you go to? We drove. So we had 12 stops total. Yeah. So we drove through, I want to say, like 20 states. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> it was way lot. too much driving. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of driving. <laughs> How long did it take you? Uh, we did that over five months. We did the final event like a couple months later, though, in September. So we started in... February through June and then did uh, final And did event. you drive a bus or did you guys have a car? Or who was part of the team? Yeah, so it was just uh, the founders and then me and Alex. Um, Alex is the, I guess, czar, like something of hacker relations. Yeah. So she does a lot of really cool projects. She has a YouTube channel uh, where she uh, posts her projects and like unboxings at different boards and stuff. We drove a van. We were going to drive a DeLorean originally. What? How yeah. cool is that? But we still had the DeLorean. We covered it with stickers from our sponsors, and then yeah. it broke down. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we ended up towing it around the country instead. You towed a DeLorean around the country? Yeah. That's so That's wild. It was crazy. When did you first fall in love with technology? Um, I started doing Adobe, so Flash Action Script programming. Right. When I was 18, I got a job as an intern at an, a research lab, and so I was uh, working for the graphic designer there. So I was doing interfaces, and I had a lot of Action Script programming. It was so cool to like be able to make my own paint program yeah. and stuff like that. That was when Flash was still really commonly used. Yeah. <laughs> so... Then uh, junior year of college, I was looking for a new job and because I had gone on exchange and I needed a new job and I applied for a job at the 
help desk at yeah. Penn State where I went to school. And I was thinking like this, I would be a, a greeter at the help desk. Yeah. The position I was applying for. And the guy sat at the uh, desk there was like, we don't have that position anymore. Are you technical at all? And I was like, no, I'm not technical. Yeah. And he, and then I walked out and he walked, followed me out and he was like, are you sure you're not technical? Like maybe I really need this position to be filled. And I was like, well, I write some action script and stuff. Yeah. And he was like, that's technical. Yeah. <laughs> so I applied for that position and I got it and I got to take apart computers and fix people's email. Uh, so that was, uh, I realized I actually was technical. <laughs> it seems like a really organic path that you've walked on. Like you've kind of in a sense, stumbled upon these opportunities and discovered more and more about yourself and your tech side as you move forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. It wasn't something that I was, uh, that I thought I was, I guess, qualified for yeah. in high school or college. It was um, definitely, I definitely like my internalized sexism that held me back a bit from, from doing things that I wanted to do thinking that it was like a, something for guys, you know. That's what I thought you just said. Now, why What? Why did you feel that way or think that? Do you happen to remember like a trigger point or, or was it just kind of like, was it kind of just there, that, that perception, or was there actually something that created it? I think it was just there. There's a lot of like small things. For instance, um, like, you know, guy friends of mine would get computers for their birthdays. Girls would yeah. get clothes for their yeah, birthdays, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like really small messages that yeah. constantly told you. Or like my guy friends would have LAN parties, but they wouldn't invite me. My yeah. older brother would do computer stuff, but it was never something that I was invited to join in. Hi, I'm Juliette Horton, the founder and CEO of Everly. Everly is an online wedding planning service, allowing more couples access to professional wedding planning help online. We're based in Seattle, Washington. You can somewhat level set across the industry. So you have an idea of what everybody else is charging. But then what I did, which is very normal in the tech industry and not particularly normal in the wedding industry is get out of the building and go talk to people and say like, what is your willingness to pay for this? Yeah. And I don't see that a lot in the industry that I'm in because people, I think, look at it much more in a small business mindset where it's sort of cost-based accounting right. where they figure out how much it costs and how much they want to make as a profit. And that's what they decide to charge. Right. And I'm always trying to advise them of like, go out and see what people's willingness to pay is because yeah. that's ultimately going to be a more heavy driver. Yeah. And okay. And so now, uh, how long have you guys existed? We launched the platform as it exists today, just around the first of the year. Oh, congratulations. And how many people have you served so far? We have 15 through the pipeline right now. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And so you've been a part of 15 weddings happening. Through this current model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In addition to, yeah, the couples that I had worked with just sort of as my market research. That's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's and, very. And now there are these stories you could say, do, do you go to the weddings? In that old model, I did. So that was sort of that traditional model where I was walking through that process because I wanted to be at the wedding day. I wanted to learn firsthand how to build a timeline and how right. long things take and what vendors need from right. you to ultimately build this more scalable approach where it wasn't going to be me because there's a finite number of Saturdays right. in a year. Um, so in this model, we're not. We're working with couples all throughout the planning process to match them with vendors, manage their budget, all of that. If they want to hire someone there, yeah. the day of will help them find that person and we've negotiated rates on their behalf. Um, so I'm not going to the weddings anymore. Uh, but that was where a lot of the learnings happened, especially yeah, the part of the job that has to become sort of part therapist and family counselor. <laughs> totally. Um, and then where would you like to see Everly going? 
So we're just in the Seattle market right now based on the hyper-local nature of vendors, of local photographers and caterers and whatnot. So want to prove out concept here, product market fit, validate that we're charging the right price, and then it will be a future rollout in city-by-city markets. And if you had one ask of the global tech community, something that they could do to support you in your success, to help you accelerate forward, what would that ask be? I want to get the word out. The thing with being the first mover is that it's a great advantage that when people learn about this, it's a wonderful solution for so many couples, but they don't know enough to go looking for it right now. And we don't have any competitors in this space, which is great. But again, people don't know that a solution like this exists. There's so many people who are in this mindset of either I have to spend every Saturday planning my wedding or shell out $7,000 for a wedding planner. So helping to get the word out that there is a much more tech-based approach to to good solutions for a lot of couples would be very helpful. And uh, where where should they go? Uh, to our website, everlywedding.co. Can you spell it for us? Yes, that's E-V-E-R-L-Y, wedding, W-E-D-D-I-N-G, <laughs> dot C-O. And what is one obstacle that you have successfully overcome? What did you learn from it? And how did you overcome it? A lot of this is really around early market adoption. So I love having conversations with potential customers or vendors in the market who don't understand this and within 90 seconds go, oh my God, I love that idea. We've been looking for a solution like that. So that will continue to be the case uh, until we are a household name. Um, but as of right now, that's been a really rewarding thing to overcome. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.